If you'd like to further support Illinois media and what we do for the culture, here are a few ways we can use your help. Follow us on social media, download the Illinois app, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just search Illinois with a Z. You can also buy merchandise or you can lend a helping hand by donating a one-time or monthly contribution. To donate, visit Illinois.co backslash donate. That's I-L-L-A-N-O-I-Z-E dot co backslash donate. We thank you for supporting what we do because without you, there is no us. Yeah, man, I understand that we're getting trapping all day. I understand that we getting been robbing all day. But one part of the day, you got to cut on Illinois Radio. You're now tuned in with Illinois Radio with your host, Vico, Illinois Jones, and Pretty Riot. Turn your radios up and spread the noise. And as always, we bring you all the illest guests from around the city and globe. And today, we got the homie Lior Galil in the building. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you coming. Thanks, yeah. It's uh look, it's, it's been long overdue. You know, a lot of things has happened um, since the the I want to say because we had you scheduled a while ago. Then the <laughs> pandemic hit. Yeah, yeah. It, it hit. It, it messed a, a lot of things up. Um, I mean, you know how how has it been for you lately? Especially being a uh, a very busy music journalist. How has this pandemic uh, affect you? It's been uh, personally in in a professional context in terms of what I'm doing in music journalism. It's been depressing. It's been really uh, isolating to see music festivals of the size of Lollapalooza. The you know that it's the world's largest music festival this year happening mm-hmm. as if the pandemic doesn't currently exist. There are people still dying from COVID. We're not like through this. And yet to see a giant corporate festival that's expensive, that draws in a majority of people from outside the city go on while there are neighborhoods that are less than 50 percent vaccinated that mm-hmm. aren't receiving the health they need. I don't know, man. It, like it, it makes me sad to be a part of in some way, a small part of the industry that like relies on that mm-hmm. giant thing to happen. And I saw you on social media, you know, pushing like, hey. Mayor Lori Lightfoot cancel Lala like this is going going to impact our city, uh, you know, uh, down the line. Like I saw you really pushing for that, and of course, you know, the city it's about the money. Yeah, and Lollapalooza drives a, a lot of money. But have you seen any like? <clears throat> excuse me, have you seen any effects from that <clears throat> for like smaller venues? I mean, smaller that? smaller venues in the past week have started to put down some much more stringent guidelines for attendees in the venues. Most have now incorporated a, either you need to show vaccine card or proof of a negative COVID PCR test from 72 hours prior to you entering the show. So that that didn't exist, you know, a few weeks ago. Right. How do you think the venues will last with those guidelines and restrictions? I, most, I think, will be OK. Like the number I don't foresee a, a, like a large population of ticket holders being like, how dare you not let me in now? Um, I think that is reflective of just kind of the the culture of of concert going in the city like people were aware that venues were struggling as soon as the pandemic hit because they were the first to close most venues around here were really upfront about messaging like we need help to get through we are not like any other business we rely on putting people in situations that during a pandemic aren't safe uh and and people are willing to throw their money down there 
the venues managed to get by not with government help because most are still waiting to receive money from the Save Our Stages campaign. Uh, mm-hmm. Wow, I'm going to screw up. <laughs> but I, I know what you're talking about with yeah. the Save Our campaign. Yeah, like the, 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 the Save Our Stages bill that went through in December, that money is still barely trickling out to venues around the country. And most skated by on whatever, you know, whatever they could do. In a lot of cases, it was selling merch. It was doing web-only shows. You know, it didn't... <laughs> the, 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 the detail of what each venue went through is obviously different. Right. But for the most part, most managed to make it to this part. I don't know that they could all survive another shutdown, mm-hmm. which, is, which is my ultimate fear for them. The second shutdown would be ugly. Yes, it would. <laughs> Very ugly. Yeah, terrible. It would be terrible. I mean, I I, 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 uh, I want to stick on the topic as well because, um, you know, you, like I said, you're an amazing writer, uh, music writer for Chicago Reader. Uh, of course, we're going to tap into what got you into uh, journalism, but while we're sure. on this topic, like, how has the pandemic um, impact uh, the reader? And, I mean, we're uh, all we, most all weeklies are reliant on ad rates on like, you know, getting as much ad money as we could. And because the reader relies on events to, you know, pay for ads. I mean, we lost 90 per, over 90 percent of our ad revenue overnight. Damn. As soon as the shutdowns happen. 90 percent. Yes. Wow. That was almost that's, time for that, people to yeah. go to lose their jobs. <laughs> that's when you start pulling your hair out. Yeah. But that's why uh, co-publisher Tracy Bame. Uh, we now have two publishers. Tracy started as the only publisher and Karen Hawkins, who's also the co-editor in chief, who is amazing. They're both amazing. And I love working for them. I mean, Tracy knew how to squeeze. She knows how to squeeze pennies from a rock. Mm. So she that's made talent, sure yeah. it is really a talent. She made sure to that before we talked any sort of cuts. She had, you know, pushed every fucking button. She could. Pardon me. Is, Are you good? Okay, cool. We don't lie. <laughs> Sometimes you got to cut. No, you got to let that feeling out. To hit the emphasis on what you really mean. You got to let that feeling out. <laughs> She's. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Tracy's amazing. Karen is amazing. They did everything they could to find alternative sources of revenue, which we'd been on our way to doing. We just had to put that kind of in overdrive mm-hmm. uh, to to make sure that we didn't end up losing anyone. And fortunately, the minimal cuts that we went through happened in the fall and winter. So I went through a period of furloughs where I took a week of furlough for a month, uh, a week of furlough a month for four months. Wow. Yeah. Which was, I I managed. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't, I like my income took a hit. Sure. But like the harder thing for me was, was having to stop working and knowing because the world keeps you keeps know, going. Keeps going, yeah. Mm-hmm. And my work, having a schedule that was, you know, that became a challenge, but I may do. Um, yeah, like, and, and then thinking about it, too, I, was it at least a, a somewhat of a, a mental vacation for you? Because, you know, with the workload you put in, <laughs> which we about to get into, sure. the workload you put in is is crazy. I, I, we about to discover how you do it. But, like, um, did that at least, was it a mental vacation for you? Not quite, because during that time, I just made sure to do some freelance work where I knew that I could get freelance work. So it was just like turning one switch off and, and flicking the other one on. Um, um, oh, no, my bad. I didn't mean to come no, no, go ahead. I was wanted to know, like, what during the pandemic did you learn just about yourself? Uh, I'm really good at staying home. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I uh, I enjoy my downtime, and I did beforehand. But uh, when I'm going to f- shows four or five nights a week, sometimes, which like during the summer before the pandemic was like 
that was constant, and that would burn myself out pretty bad. Um, it's nice to to get a break from that, where it's just like somebody else, or rather the pandemic and and the fact that there weren't shows happening was putting that stop button for me. I remember uh, that. Yeah, yeah, I remember when we because before the pandemic, we were going to bring you in. You was like, wait, let me check my schedule. I got this festival to go to. I got this yeah. show, this Fest- event, and I didn't like festival season that much beforehand. Like they, it was great to see artists that I loved all in one place, but. It was exhausting. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, it was really exhausting. What's good? It's the one and only Illinois Jones, and you're now tuned in to the dopest thing to hit the streets since crack cocaine, and that's Illinois Radio. We still got my partner in the building, Leor from Chicago, Rita in the yeah, building. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That's how you clap your hands, bro. What the <laughs> hell was that? So it just happened. No, it no, explain happened. it. No. <laughs> So I, I was about to press a button, uh-huh. but then my fingers, I just started. I was like, oh, he over there playing rock, paper, scissors. Look, it just happened. My bad. It still made some clapping noise. All right? It worked out. I heard it, yeah. See, yeah. it worked out. It works for me, yeah. My bad. Oh, man. But yeah, you definitely in the building. Um, we recently chopped it up about, you know, uh, Lollapalooza, the effects of the pandemic on, you know, yourself as well as the reader. Uh, but some things we haven't chopped it up about is, of course, where, how did it all start as far as like music journalism and you really, um, you know, pursuing that career and making it a career? Sure. Yeah. I um, I read about music in college. I went to Brandeis, which is right outside of Boston. Um, and I threw shows uh, with some friends like we we got a we our campus has a castle that was also a dorm. What's this college again? Brandeis. Brandeis. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a, a liberal arts school in the suburbs of Boston. Okay, and in the castle was a coffee house where we would th- put on like events, and that was a huge selling point for indie like bands. Dope as shit. It was awesome. Yeah, uh, the the creators of Friends went to Brandeis, and uh, on on college tours, uh, anyone leading the tours would be like, "This is the you know the inspiration for the coffee house on Friends," which it wasn't, but <laughs> that was a good selling point. But yeah, we had we we got like uh, wow. Now I'm forgetting all of the bands that we brought to to campus. Um, but uh, Dirty Projectors, like a year or two before they played Pitchfork Fest, uh, the Antlers, we got them for like a hundred bucks, and they also went on to play like Pitchfork Fest and Thalia Hall. And, Damn, I got them for hundred bucks. How much y'all have? Yeah, so they, yeah, right they, they basically p- played for gas money. Uh, we would yeah, we would get bands on the on the way up, which is super fun. It was a uh, it was a great learning experience. It was extremely frustrating to to like be on that side of things. And I realized that like I, I loved writing. Mm-hmm. I loved expressing myself. I loved thinking about what in music I appreciate and love and want other people to, to, to learn about this thing that I love. So that's sort of what set me on the path. And after college, I ended up starting my own blog. A uh, few people that I knew. Uh, one of one of my favorite professors in college is this guy named Wayne Marshall, who is an esteemed musicologist. He's now teaching at MIT, I believe. Okay, he's great. I love him so much. Uh, and he had his own website, which is at the time uh, almost every music writer that I admired was just like, "Yo, this guy's website is like where I learn everything." Oh shit! Yeah, he's uh, the blueprint. Yeah, Wayne and Wax. He was like to me. He's you know he's like one of the most important music bloggers of that era who wasn't just like focused on mp3s but unpacking what it what like a specific song meant he introduced me to footwork mm. yeah you know like footwork and music like, like the footwork and music yeah yeah like before before like planet mew and and uh oh man um uh hyper oh wow i'm 
hopefully nobody who listens to Footwork <laughs> is listening right now. Um, uh, I forget the the name of the other label, British label, that have done like amazing work of getting Footwork around the world. Uh, but before, yeah, Footwork really broke out internationally. I was hearing DJ Nate in his classroom. Wow, which was so cool. Yeah, he Dang. loved DJ Nate. He still, I mean, I still think loves DJ Nate. Damn. Yeah. And DJ Nate recently made an appearance on somebody's project too. It's, it's not ringing a bell right now, but he he definitely made his. Uh, he he recently made an appearance. I think he. I don't know the album. I know he. It's a recent <laughs> appearance he recently made. That's dope. It's good yeah. to see DJ. You go in the classroom and your teacher bumping DJ Nate. And that was uh, that specific classroom that was uh, in 2007. And it was an electronic production class, so he would teach us the like the basic building blocks of dance music mm. and experimental music and anything that you know could be created on a laptop. And we would have access to music making software so that we could build basically like our own versions of a grime track, of a footwork track, of like all this stuff. So you know how to make beats? Barely. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, you know, wow. Almost 15 years ago. Gee, that can't be that long. Let's yeah. say yeah. shock you. It's, Look, yeah, the way these days pass by. Yeah, yeah. Like, now, what did you originally uh, go to college to study? Uh, nothing. I, whatever. I, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I just saw college as like, oh, this is the next step that like we're told to do. Yeah. And uh, luckily, I went to a place where I like learned how much I love academia in a certain way. But learned that like I could enjoy school for the way that it encouraged me to learn on my own. I didn't really care much about school before that. You know, uh, I was like, oh, I got to do well. Uh, you know, got to do something. You yeah. know, that was the next step, <laughs> and you you went through with it. Yeah. But when I went to the next step, I went through and it and it was through <laughs> quick. <laughs> I mean, it, and now I like, I can't even imagine what it must be like for young people now going to tremendous debt for a degree. Like I just. I don't even know that I would recommend it. I don't know, like, look, like college ain't for everybody. Yeah, okay? yeah real. And education is is a tremendous thing, but um, yeah, the the amount of debt that you have to take on to go to school is, is like criminal. Was that a university <laughs> you went to, or uh, yeah, I, yeah, Brandeis University? Okay, yeah. Yeah. gotcha. Because I know you know community colleges and universities is a different type of right. It's a different payment method, right there. Yeah. So I mean the 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 whole point of it is. I don't mean to say the whole point of it. Obviously, like learning is super important. Learn in whatever context you can, but obviously that paper mm -hmm. degree goes a long way. Which is just like the amount of people who are just like not allowed to or not allowed, but unable to get a job because they don't have a certain degree. Just I don't know. I just like, look at college as a big a big pool of just networking, networking. Yeah. and just make as many friends as possible because somebody's gonna be something, and um, <laughs> you might just need them to be like, "Hey, bro, you in there? Put me through." You know what I mean? Or let's do this together. You know what I mean? That's how I looked at it when I went. I was like, yeah, all right, I think I'm going to leave. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's that time. It is, it's funny to see where people end up. I mean, a buddy of mine now is the head writer for Deus and Marrow. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Even the cameraman was like, whoa. <laughs> Y'all probably go see the camera move on that oh. joint. <laughs> so after, after the production class and all that, that's when you was like, was you still searching for something? I mean, I like I ended up uh, by that point. I'd already finished my major. I was an American studies major because it's just sort of like the the idea of the liberal arts, but focused on American history. Um, so I was just kind of cherry picking what interested me in academics. And I was able to focus on music in my senior thesis, which ah. is cool. I wrote about emo, which I love uh, and which I remember in my thesis committee, the head of the department saying, 
I've never heard of this and I'm a pop culture or I'm a pop music expert, which is a, a thing that I always use uh, or I always think about when I'm engaging with music that is unfamiliar with me is to not be immediately dismissive of a thing that I hadn't heard about before. Right. Mm-hmm. Because it obviously exists out there. <laughs> so now that was a I, huge learning lesson. I've heard of emo, but yeah. like, can you break down what emo is? Uh, look at, I mean, Juice World. Juice World took the building blocks of 2000s popular emo, my, you know, My Chemical Romance, Fallout Boy. Emo is introspective punk related music at, at its at its basic building block. The beginnings of it don't really match what, you know, what Juice World is doing. Mm-hmm. A lot of contemporary emo bands might not suggest that what Juice World is doing is emo, was doing. But he's got a song that sounds like Blink-182. He's absolutely, like, he wanted to make music with Haley Williams from Paramore, who was, like, a poster woman for emo in the mid-2000s. Like, Bro, like, you just really just messed my head up. <laughs> now I'm listening to Axist. Wow. I, I'm listening, and wow. Wow, okay. Yeah, that's why I asked you about, like, you know, what is, like, I've heard of emo. Right. But I, I you know, personally didn't really know the term and the meaning of, of like, how that the genre in, in itself. Yeah, I didn't so, know what it was Which either. is, it's such a complicated thing, which is why I was drawn to writing about it as a thesis and why I'm still drawn to writing about it, is it changes so frequently and its definition gets more fluid mm-hmm. as time progresses because, and, and if you talk to two different people who listen to different types of music, ask them what emo is, they probably won't agree. And that's fascinating to me. Breaking down what that what that means historically over the course of almost 40 years now, that's super fun and exhausting. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting in arguments about what is real emo is exhausting. But, you know, other times it could be really, it, it reminds me of what I love about what I do, which is like thinking about what, how different styles of music are self-defined and how they are separated and how music is such a social thing. Right. Because that's part of why genres exist is that it, it's not just about like these are the the d- definitions of what is hip hop and it can't be anything outside of this like that changes over time, but there is that communal element that is so definitive that house music, you know, started in black black gay communities in Chicago, and the people that went there informed what house music became. The people who went to the warehouse were as important. To the wow! For those who don't know what the warehouse is, <laughs> Sorry, yeah. y'all need to do y'all homework. Yeah. You hear me? Because I heard it went down in that club. I heard it went down over there. <laughs> All type of funds and stuff like that. I wasn't there, but I heard a lot of stories about, about the. That time. I heard about the warehouse. The warehouse, yeah. It's. I mean, I heard about the warehouse. I wasn't alive during the warehouse. I wasn't nowhere to be found. <laughs> yeah. I was still in the sack. Yeah. <laughs> Same. <laughs> still in the sack. But I heard about the warehouse, man, and a lot of people don't speak on that. Which is, and that history is so crucial, and part of the reason that. I think part of that history has been diluted and and transformed in weird ways is, yeah, it emerged in a gay community that really suffered because of AIDS. Mm, And that's another thing we don't hear much about either. And that's not. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So so much history was lost after, you know, dance music, specifically dance music informed by house music spread from the warehouse, spread from the music box, spread from all Jeffrey's pub. You know, there are all these places that were crucial to the creation of that sound. And, you know, a lot of people ended up dying. People who who informed that culture died before it went around the world, before, you know, white dudes from Europe became the face of EDM. 
Man, look, you have a wide variety <laughs> of history, uh, and and it's, it's 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 so powerful to hear. You know, like um, you put out, you know, you just do your studies and your research and really break down the culture of music, not just one specific genre, but you know, so many genres, man. And I'm your boy Biko, alongside Pretty Ride and Illinois Jones, and we bang, bang. got a special guest in the building with us. Still goes by the name of Leora. And he writes for Chicago Reader, one of the dopest, bye dopest bye. music journalists around the city. How you feeling, Leo? I'm bye doing bye. great. It's so nice to be here with you guys. We man. appreciate you for coming through and yeah. taking it with us today, man. You've been in the game for so long and just, just you know, just taking in all the knowledge and knowing the history of just the music and the culture. Like, what's something like you like to see how Chicago music culture has grown and just spread out in the world? Like. Did, was it some parts of you seeing this coming or just was like, is this going to grow or seeing these artists that just, just took off, take off like they have? I mean, you never know who is going to take off. It's it's always a delight to see when it happens. And to see it happen so regularly now is like, I don't, I don't know how to put my mind around it. <laughs> like Polo G, just like in no time, his ascent taking off that quickly, so intensely. I don't know that I've seen anything like that in years, and yet, you know, in the just like two years before, within the past two years, you have so many Chicago rappers that has been real. just like yeah. hitting the top of Billboard. Like it's it's hard to quantify that and to 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 be able to get my my brain around that because like a decade ago, you couldn't get anyone to write about a Chicago rapper that wasn't Kanye. Well, I mean, why do you feel that was? I think that that's that's just sort of the nature of of journalism at large and music journalism within that is so, I mean, now it's so diminished to how it had been a decade ago. Mm -hmm. But the, the way that as a culture journalist, the way that I see other journalists who, whose beats are tend to be like hard news, like sports. I mean, like crime, even like uh, politics, like to the way that people who don't work in cultural journalism, think about culture journalism is whatever is popular is the only newsworthy thing. And that just, I think that's the most bullshit thing. Me too. Yeah, I'm with you. And, and I really, really appreciate you for that because a lot of your journalist, like a lot of your articles and pieces, you like dive into really spotlighting people that may not have been heard of. And I love that about how you like to discover. Yeah. And you're not for the trends, the buzz, who's clouded up and leveling up. Like, you actually take your time and look at, hmm, this is a talented artist or a talented creative, and you put spotlight on that. And, I mean, I'm first and foremost, well, maybe not first and foremost, but I'm a reporter, and my job is to report on what's happening in the world. And if I am just regurgitating the same thing everybody knows about you know, five popular artists that everyone else is focusing on. I'm not doing my job. I'm not serving the community. That is that is the primary retweet. Thing. <laughs> retweet. You hear me? <laughs> That's a retweet right there. I feel you when you said that. Like, how, how do you you know uh, go about discovering certain you know uh, musical artists and just and I won't even just specifically say artists because you cover more than just artistry as well. But like, how do you really? Uh, take that time out and dive into find an interest into what you would like to write about and put the word out there on everywhere <laughs> everywhere uh, this is whenever people ask me this particular question I focus I bring up a story that I wrote a decade ago mm-hmm. based on a flyer that I found in myopic books in Wicker Park 
they have this little flyer nook under the staircase that goes to the second and third floors. And I saw this flyer that just said, I'm looking for friends and stuff. So call. And it had the phone number. I am not a weasel. That's it. That's all it said on the flyer. There was a drawing of a slender black man and his name. So I called the phone number. <laughs> I couldn't get through. Uh, I, have an, I have a 301 area code, which you know. I, I grew up outside of the D.C. and I refused to give up that number, which creates a lot of problems calling local numbers. Um, but I went home and looked up this guy's name and I found a blog with some of his recordings and it was so enchanting. It touched me in a way that like I didn't really feel from a lot of music and I love music you know mm-hmm. I was 25 at the time yeah 25 at the time uh, and I just I knew I had to find this guy uh, so I eventually tracked him down through the person who published that blog post met him off uh, 87th he was living with his grandma uh, talked you know talked about life and his music and you know how he made this like completely enchanting beautiful shambolic music uh, wrote about him. He got on the cover. The reader used to have a B-side for the music section, mm-hmm. and he was on the cover of the B-side. And a week later, somebody from XL Records, which is you know Adele's label, Radiohead, um, uh, Sampa is on kind of a sub-label. Uh, I, th- I think Tyler worked with them a little bit on his first album. Uh, you know, reached out asking, where can I find this guy's stuff? So this guy, Willis Earl Beale, ended up signing a... Uh, a deal with XL recordings. Wow. Yeah. Went like toward, toward the States, toward Europe, put out two records with them. Started in a movie called Memphis. It was like based on a, based on a composite idea that re- reflected his kind of traveling life. He's down in, uh, uh, God, Arizona. Now is the last time that we spoke. He was out in Arizona, but, um, yeah, so I, I I look everywhere to think you I, discovered wow. this guy. You discovered you this discovered him basically from a, <laughs> from a flyer that said, "I'm need friends." Yeah, call, call me. me. Yeah, yeah. I need, I'm gonna do that. I need wow. some friends. <laughs> you, you, you pay attention to detail, but but that's just sort of the thing. Like the things the that interest. guide me in in terms of finding music is just like, oh, what's you know, what is this thing? I think if you are interested in music journalism, if you're interested in journalism, you're gonna have a natural curiosity and. Uh, that will manifest in your work. I, I went to grad school in Northwestern for journalism school. I, I remember one, we had to go through to these like 8 a.m. lectures, which I hated mm. being in Evanston at 8 a.m. But that's an aside. Uh, uh, Who wants to be in Evanston at all? Like. Yeah. Uh, but I, I remember one of the lectures one day was just like, you, you're not going to be able to turn off work. Like, everywhere you look, you're going to find stories. And I was like, that sounds exhausting. Shit. But they weren't wrong. Like, they, it, it turned out for me, like, I don't think of what I do as work sometimes. It is labor. It's absolutely work. But in the occasions of, like, holy shit, I love this song. Why do I love this song? Who is this person who made this song? Like, that is just a thing that I would do if this, was my, if this wasn't my job. Man. And I'm lucky that I found a way to make this my job. Or maybe unlucky. I don't know what, you know. No, I, I think you picked the, the right career. <laughs> it's a passion. Yeah it, yeah, it takes passion to do what you do. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it takes a strong will to really break down your, you know, your your feelings behind what you're hearing and uh, what you're trying to present to the world and your readers. So, yeah, you picked the right career, thank my you, brother. To make that connection with music, to have that connection with music and to make that connection with artists and their songs, that's just rare. Yeah. You know? and, and for me... If a song, if an album, if an artist makes me feel that, you know, makes me feel all these things that I have, you know, trouble putting into words, 
but that keep me motivated and keep me alive and make me think about the world in ways I didn't think before. I want at least one other person to catch that, you know, catch that feeling. If I can introduce that artist to one other person who will appreciate it, if I can allow them to see music that they're familiar with in an entirely new way, I'm doing my job. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully it's more than one person, but if one person's like, wow, I never would have listened to this. Yeah, that's great. And it's, it's, it's been a couple of times. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> it's been a couple of times. Some artists have hit me up like, Hey, yo, how can, can you get me in tune with the reader <laughs> and be honest? Have I ever reached out to you about anybody? No, but you can, what it would, but, but I just wanted to, that's why I, I just wanted to put it on wax. So everybody know, like I've never reached out to you, like, or gave you a recommendation, but I will say this. I would tell artists this, like, I guarantee you, Lee, I, I guarantee reader is watching. Cause I always know, like you, you know, your, your love for research is there. And it's, it's funny because a lot of the artists that came up to me, you wrote about them. That's great. Like That's you, very funny. You, and, yeah. I, and I'll be like, I knew it was going to happen. It's, and it's, it's, it's dope to see that. Like you really, your eyes is open and, uh, you know, you, you do what you can to, to really get the word out there. So yeah, it's, so I just, I just want to put that on wax. Who's some of the artists that you enjoy writing about? Oh man, it's uh, kind of nonstop. It's usually uh, my favorite articles are the ones that I'm working on right now. Okay, so uh, is sort of is sort of, and right now we're uh, kind of on pause with some of the articles. We're we're doing a project that's going to come out in August that is taking away all my attention. So it's a little challenging right now. So how many articles do you do at one time? Too many. <laughs> I thought you were going to say two. Yeah, two. <laughs> yeah, it's. So I have a weekly column that I co-write with my friend uh, Jared Nelson, um, and that you know it's like three paragraphs, but the the amount of work that goes into making sure it fits the print column is exhausting. Um, and then I do about three show previews slash album reviews for every issue, which now our issues are every other week. Uh, I wrote I write a weekly newsletter for the reader. I do at least one feature a month, depending on what we need. We're working on this guide that's going to come out in August that I'm writing five articles for. And that, you know, the amount of work that goes into researching each thing is a lot. I bet. Man, that sounds like a lot. You got to do three paragraphs just to fit a column, and then you're doing other articles. A lot of brain power. Yeah, it's and uh, sometimes I find myself repeating, like, just specific wording and I could spend like way too much time time trying to figure out a better way to say something like you know it's labor it is work it exhausts me Um, writer's block is real too yeah exactly yeah (laughs) like for you at least what makes a good story um something that I think about after closing my computer something that I'm that I am constantly thinking like oh what you know what about this is dry is driving me what is why did this pique my curiosity something that and this doesn't have to be the case but in particular if i'm going to dedicate my time to it i want to make sure that nobody else has written about it just because there's so much out in chicago specifically to write about i don't necessarily want to spend my time duplicating not duplicating somebody else's work because Mm -hmm. it's always going to be my work right but i want to make sure that i'm giving my readers something they never Unique. had. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And often I do cover things that other writers cover, which is great. And hopefully we're both approaching it from different perspectives that people are able to understand that like, oh, this band or this artist has like, they're multidimensional. There's something that I learned from each of these stories. So something that will keep me interested beyond just, you know, nine to five, mm. beyond, you know, 
if it's an album that I I keep hearing it in my head after I've listened to it. And that's you know stuff like that. And you know uh, before before we actually even got on air, we were talking about a recent article you put out on I believe Mohawk Brown. Mohawk Johnson. Mo, I'm sorry, Mohawk Johnson. And uh, I was you know talking to you about how I saw you uh, like the tweet. Um, it came on my timeline, and I saw how he was on house arrest, and uh, the the band kept going off when he was at home. Um, and you know you actually put a story together on his his uh, situation and I gotta say I, I read it and I'm like yo it was to I was fascinated and it sucks like I mean can you actually break down that story to our audience so they sure. get, get a better understanding about uh, Mohawk Johnson sure uh, last August Jeremy Mohawk Johnson was arrested at a uh, uh, God anti-ICE protest in the loop uh, he was arrested an hour and a half and more than a mile away from the alleged incident. Uh, and he's been on house arrest ever since. Mm-hmm. He's charged with aggravated battery of a police officer. The only evidence that they have is a shaky video that one of the judges in his pretrial had, like, admitted to not being able to make out who the person wielding a skateboard is. But because he had a skateboard on him, that seemed to be the primary piece of evidence for the arresting officers uh and yeah he's been under house arrest wow for 12 months yeah not a year all oh, this this yeah this this, this month. august yeah he's been on a real pandemic yeah lockdown and and not only that but he you know that entire protest was uh it, there was a lot of cameras on it like there was a lot of heat on that particular protest there were i think at least Three or four other people who were arrested on, uh, on like similarly trumped up charges, and and sort of what's uh, what I find so one of the many things that I find so awful about the the way that the justice system has treated him in particular is from the court documents that I've been been able to ascertain the way that like the judge and the opposing lawyer kind of talk about the things that he's charged with. It's it's from the perspective of the police aren't like are basically like passive in this entire instance when they showed up in full body armor like it like they they were there on the ground ready for fucking war Mm -hmm. like this wasn't a thing that this was protesters who had nothing resembling what the cops had on them in terms of weapons cops were beating on protesters they were kettling protesters which is illegal and which uh, a lawyer told me hadn't been documented in Chicago in close to 20 years. Like people were in a really bad place who were just there to express their first amendment of like their first amendment rights. And he's suffering because of this. He, his, uh, like the CPD Twitter account doxed him, you know, spread his, uh, his, not his home address, but his home block Mm. while posting a mugshot with you know this shaky video sh- suggesting like that when when you present that information to the public from their perspective you are suggesting guilt and we live in a country where you know people are innocent until proven guilty and from the evidence that they've presented it like that isn't <laughs> that that is not enough to to prove anyone's guilt but to be under house arrest with his monitor going off like alerting uh, Cook County that he, you know, 
that he's breaking his uh that you know that he's left the premises of his house which he hasn't he has two beacons in his house that are monitoring him and it still malfunctions it's fucking torture and this has been going on for a year that's Damn. crazy again without a trial he's still waiting for trial and, and you broke this story literally recently on. I, I didn't. I didn't break it. It's uh, he, the Tribune had actually reported on it the week of because yeah because the cops were using him as an example mm-hmm. to you know they, they were saying like this person is bad. Look at his mugshot. You know, look at what his charges. We we're saying he's bad. Um, but I was and have been the person to go deepest into his story. To talk about his art is reflective of his aspirations for a better world and how that drove him to be at a protest. He's somebody who's never been arrested prior to this. Yes, I read that to it. Yeah. You talked about his uh, him, you know, losing his job. Yeah. The, I mean, the, you know, not to suggest that anyone who's been arrested implies that they're guilty. The justice system in this country is fucked. Do you think by making articles like that, it opens the eyes up to other art to other writers to find more vic- more people who's going through the similar situations to to shed light on those? Yeah, I, I mean, I hope so. I hope in that small way, I'm able to do that because that's the first time I ever heard somebody actually taking a time out to go deeper into a case like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to me, he you know, regardless of the arrest, like Mohawk is is has a definitively Chicago story. His grandfather who he was super close with, moved to Chicago during the Great Migration. Uh, his, you know, his grandfather was involved in local politics for ages, starting with the Democratic Party, switching to Republican Party around the 80s. Uh, his mom is involved, and it worked for one of the largest writers' unions in the country. Like, he, he had community, like, he, from his earliest days, was involved in bettering his community. And that, to me, is is what all of us should aspire to. Right. And so, to you know, to grow up with, you know, with a uh, you know a family that's so deeply interested in supporting their community in the best way possible, to being made, you know, a villain by CPD is fucking wild. Yeah, it <laughs> is. Well, man, thank you for even for shedding light on, on, on that situation. He could use that. You know, he could definitely. That can take. Him a long way. Yeah. Um, hopefully, it brings some justice to him, and uh, you know, put put him in a much better situation that that he's in currently. Yeah, exactly. I, I would not have known much about uh, Mohawk if I did not see it come across my timeline from you know uh, you at least doing your part and sharing that story. So yeah, yeah, you you touch you know you making a good when I say what makes a good story. Hey, you you put you put two and two together, and you know that was that was something I feel like. People in general, all, all journalists in general, um, could could use you know like some of the tactics that you as a journalist use and look for something that's real, and well, uh, you know, yeah, thank you, warming because that well, man, seeing that I admit when I first saw him across my town, I'm like, okay, what's going on? And I learned more, so definitely what, appreciate. What's that. the process like for you writing? Like, what's the environment like you writing? Like, how do you set? Do you have to set a mood? You know, have <laughs> songs playing like candles, like. Like, I, have what's a, like? I have to have a deadline. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I always get you done. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta have have something like 
you know, putting pressure on in that way. Otherwise, I could just be twiddling my thumbs for a very long time. It had to be like written like within five minutes before I got a deadline. Of not five not minutes. quite that bad, but I have been slipping in terms of getting my stuff in on time, and I'm not proud of that. Yeah, me too. Yes, <laughs> I definitely. Look, <laughs> sorry to you artists out there. Oh, damn. Look, and I already know you probably got to have a box of pizza on handy as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite pizza? Oh, my God. I don't. My girlfriend and I have been. Uh, I don't want to say stuck, but we get uh, Detroit style from Fat Chris's a lot, and then we get uh, Quad City style from Roots a bunch. Okay, but I love Tavern Cut, Home Run In is, is always great. win, yeah. always yeah. win. Yeah. A good, a good frozen piece of the put right. I never had a Detroit cut though. Detroit is great. It's like thick. It, uh, yeah, it's like square cut. It's like it, it is heavy in a way that I like. You just broke down pizza in a way yeah. I never knew pizza could be broken. He, he, he can write about pizza, man. <laughs> Which is also a thing that I'm working on. So, oh yeah. shit, I can't wait to read. Non, oh, yeah, man. nonstop work over here. Oh man, now, before we before we make our exit, we never even asked you, uh, Leo. Like, how did you even join Chicago Reader? Um, I loved the Reader before I moved to Chicago. I moved here in 2009, and I loved Alt Weeklies since I was in middle school. I grew up with the Washington City Paper, which is a great all-weekly that's still going strong down in D.C. And uh, I knew I wanted to write for the reader. Like, it would it would have been a dream to land a story in the reader. And my first year of grad school, before my only year of grad school before I finished, I pitched Philip Montoro, who's a music editor, and on a story about a DIY space in Logan Square. And he got back to me five hours later and was just like, okay, let's, you know. Damn. Yeah. Well, Philip, yeah. Philip is... Philip, uh, I don't know how he manages to do it all. He works nonstop, and he still, you know, gets back to people. And um, yeah, he uh, he liked the idea. And two months later, my first reader story came out, and I just did not stop bugging him from there. Um, <laughs> Persistence. Yeah, I think I wrote like three features for Philip uh, before 2011, and then early in 2011, I got brought on as a contractor mm-hmm. to help edit the music section. Mostly show previews and uh, Gossip Wolf, which is the column that I currently co-write with JR. And, uh, yeah, I just kept pushing. Congrats <laughs> I just on. kept pitching, pitching, and pitching, and pitching. Uh, and then the former pop music writer ended up moving to Brooklyn. So uh, I found my way into his job just because I kept pitching nonstop. Stay persistent. Yeah, they couldn't, <laughs> they couldn't get rid of me. So I was going to say congrats on 10 years, too. Uh, that's, yeah. that's 10, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I I wasn't brought on on staff until 2012, so next year it'll be officially 10. But yeah, congrats I was, on that because you know, we know how this 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 industry is. You know, people come, people go. Yeah, but you came and you you here for the you long. Came, run. You saw, you conquered. conquered. Yeah, I'm a barnacle. They're not. <laughs> I'm still standing. I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let people know how you know they can reach out to you. Uh, possibly shoot over uh some pitches to you. Sure. Yeah. Best way is email. Uh, L-G-A-L-I-L at chicagoreader.com if you go to the reader website you can find my profile under the music section and just email me that way uh, on twitter it's I'm Lior I-M-L-E-O-R I'm really annoying on there so apologies in advance hey you low key a comedian <laughs> you low key a twitter comedian you, I don't even think I don't know if you mean to be that way but you be throwing slick shots out there it just be funny yeah if you know if I have to be on there for work I might as well have some fun with it and you do and uh, you know we greatly appreciate you 
uh, taking our time to slide Thank through. You. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. This is fun. Hey, no problem. Well, uh, anytime, man. Hell anytime. Yeah. Hell yeah. Anytime. Um, again, appreciate everybody that uh, always tunes in every Saturday from 4 to 6 p.m. Of course, you all can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, all of those things at Illinois Radio. That's I-L-L-A-N-O-I-Z-E Radio. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram at Official Biko. That's Official B as in boy E K-O-E. Uh, download that Illinois app. And of course, Jones, what you on? Hey, look. Sad Chicago. It feel good outside. I love how it's feeling. You know what I mean? So we're going to have a good time today. If y'all want to catch up with me, all y'all got to do is download that Illinois app. Y'all can get that if you got an iPhone or Android. And you can get it on the Barack Obama phone, too, if you got one. <laughs> but look, y'all can listen to me every day, hear me every day. If y'all can just read a, read some of the articles I write. I don't write much, but... I write sometimes and you can read those. Just download that Illinois app. But you can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Illinois Jones 88. I don't like y'all that much to get y'all my Facebook, Snapchat. But Chicago, I need a few favors. Party hard, but party safe. safe. And, and if, if you, you can't, can't do both, stay your ass in the house. For those that don't know who I am, I am Biko. It's your girl, Pretty Riot. I'm Illinois Jones. I just want to thank you for tuning in to Illinois Radio. Every Saturday from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Make sure you guys go ahead and subscribe on YouTube. Search Illinois Radio. Head over to your Spotify, your Apple Podcasts, all of those streaming networks where you can stream podcasts and search Illinois Radio. We right there. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button. Hit that follow button and uh, stay in tune with us. You have it. We own it. Big P's. See you later, alligator. After all, crocodile. That's all, folks.